Great to be here. Wow, this is good, isn't it? It's good to be in church, right? It's like, you know, like when you go to church and you're like, this is actually good. And you go, I like it here. It is good. I am, I'm excited because I am kind of did COVID like everyone else. I was like meant to be going all over the world speaking, Australia, Canada, America, and then COVID hit. And then I was in my loft, yeah? So I was in my loft for about six months. My wife was like, really, is there nowhere that you can preach, yeah? She was like, wow. And uh, lots of video and preaches. So I was videoing lots of sermons. And um, one place said, oh, I've got this massive conference. I'm going to do it on Zoom. We want you to really go for it. So I've got my phone in my loft and I've got my Bible and I am preaching my heart out. I'm really going for it. And uh, on the screen is the leader of the event and he's got his Bible. He's taking notes. It's good. I'm preaching my heart out. And then screen begins to bounce around all these different houses and I'm seeing all these different faces and just as I'm at the kind of most animated part of my preach it bounces onto a guy who's lying in his bed without a top on picking his nose and I'm just like trying to be anointed with this guy and I'm like Pastor Sean put your top on do you know what I'm it wasn't it wasn't him. I'd love it if someone came up and said, no, you really should put your top on. It, it wasn't him. But I was like, oh man, come on. It was such a like, I was like, Jesus, help me. How am I meant to be anointed when there's Mr. Topless guy here picking his nose? But I kept going and we got there, we got there. And then I love like kind of preaching. And I read this book about, you know, sons, taking your son on ministry with you. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to do that. My, my son at the time was 15, Jordan. And I was like, you know, I read this book and it said that this guy would take his son everywhere and that the son would say to his dad, can I call you sir? And I'm like, I want that. I want my son to be like, can I call you sir? So I started to take my 15-year-old son to different events and he was sitting on the front row of this event and I preached my heart out and it was really great. It was really well received. And then the organizer said, we've got a little side room and we'd love for you to come in and answer some questions. So I said, cool. So I've kind of preached with a couple of thousand young people and then I said to my son, we're going in here. So we go in, I'm answering some questions and then I noticed a little tea and coffee station and in front of all these leaders I just said hey Jordan how about you jump up and get your dad a coffee and in front of all these leaders he went hey dad how about you jump up and get it yourself and it's about 10 leaders went and got me coffee which was even more embarrassing and I was like oh and on the way home I was like Jordan flipping it how about you get it yourself and he just looks at me as we're driving along and he went dad God has told me to keep you humble I said, oh. I said, well, that's great because God's told me to keep you in poverty. So it's all going to just work out just nice, you little loser. Um, obviously in Jesus, hallelujah. And uh, 
<laughs> so wow, it's cool. But listen, um, I'm excited about coming tonight to do my show, Bob's Not My Uncle and Other Devastating Truths. I was so excited to be doing my stuff at university, the Exeter University on Friday night. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And I really think we're going to have a great time. Not only are we going to laugh and sort of just like hopefully chuckle a lot, but also we're going to get the opportunity to get the message of the cross right out there. And that's amazing, isn't it? And it's going to be exciting. So it's good. So listen, if you've got a Bible, I'd love you to grab it because we're just going to look at the book of Luke. And it's Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, and Jesus tells his story in verse 30. 10 verse 30. These are the words. Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who let who fell into the hands of the robbers? Wow. You know, this is a story of a man being left for dead at the side of the road. And I want to say to you today that, you know, the Bible says that the enemy, the devil, has ripped a generation off. He's a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And as I travel around, I see lots of people that have been just thrown by the side of the road, devastated, ruined. People's lives been wrecked by drugs. People's lives been wrecked by alcohol or by all kind of messed up lifestyles. And they're left for dead. And it's like this message comes through that Jesus is communicating is that two men, the Levi and the priest, they covered their eyes. They crossed on the other side of the road. They didn't want to look at this mess. They were like, no, I can't look at this. It's, it's too much. It's too emotional. I find it too difficult. But you know, Jesus is saying, we mustn't cross the road. We mustn't cover our eyes, but we must look at the broken. We must look at the hurting. We must look at the aching. Those that are messed up, those that are devastated, we must not look at them and we must help them. We must not cover our eyes. Sometimes church gets to that place where we get into our like kind of bubble and we're like wanting to not be in the real world. I was preaching in a church recently and I talked about a prostitute who had become a Christian and I talked about how this lady was kind of so devastated and she found Christ. And as I was standing in the foyer at the end, an old gentleman came out and he says, Oh brother, I did not come to church to hear about prostitutes. And a bit of my heart broke because do you know what? Jesus cares about prostitutes. 
Jesus cares about the people that nobody else is bothered about. Jesus cares for those that have been beaten and left for dead. And it's like, oh man, I want to be someone that doesn't cover my eyes. But I want to be someone who goes and helps. Some of you may remember the um, cruise ship called the Costa Concordia. And this cruise ship crashed into some rocks and the boat began to sink. And you'll remember, if you can remember the story, that the captain, he zipped up the life jackets of his crew and he got into a lifeboat and he sailed away while people were drowning in, the, in that ship. And there's this amazing piece of footage where the Coast Guard, the Italian Coast Guard, is speaking to the captain and he's screaming at him in Italian, Go back! Go to the wreckage! You must go back to the wreckage! And this, this captain is like a little kid. He's kind of crying a little bit and he sort of says, It's so dark and it's cold and it's horrible and it's people die I can't go back don't make me go back there and the coast guard is like screaming in indignation you must go back you're the captain go back to the ship and those of you that know the story will know that he didn't go back and he sailed to land and he's now in prison for that but you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to our souls today you know, he's saying we must go to the beaten and the bust and the broken. And sometimes church is like, it's so too messed up. You know, the culture's so screwed up. There's so much going on. People are all messed up in their sexuality. People are all messed up in drug lifestyles. It's too difficult. And the Holy Spirit says, you must go to the wreckage. You must go to the broken. You must go to the ruined and the devastated. We must not become that church that gets into its little lifeboat and sails away, saying, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, the rest of the world can go to hell. But we must be those that say, oh God, we will not cross over the road. We will not hide our eyes, but we will look upon those that are hurting and broken. You see, the second thing I love about this is that, you know, that good Samaritan, he had to be brave. You know, he could have come across and saw the broken man and started to help him, and it was actually a trap, and suddenly he's now the victim. He had to be courageous. And if we want to get involved in people's lives, we must be brave. If we want to proclaim the gospel, we must have courage. I am... I got the chance a little while ago, my, my PA guy, he said to me, Kieran, he says, Mark, there's two dates coming for the same weekend. You're going to have to make a choice. One of them is a, a lovely church in Burgess Hill. Lovely, lovely church. The other one is a pub in the east of Belfast. And he says, this is the roughest pub in Belfast. And the email says, we want you to do your funny stuff and then we want you to proclaim Jesus. And then it says, you may be headbutted in the face. I mean, that is a welcoming email, isn't it? I'm reading that thinking, oh, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. yeah I, I said to Kieran, I says, listen, tell Burgess Hell 
were coming, yeah? Because I feel the Lord's leaning me towards Burgess Hill, not towards the pub. And all that day, I'm kind of like wandering around. I'm in my car, and God's speaking to me, and God's like saying, go to Belfast. And then I have this moment where I'm like, you go to Belfast, yeah? I'm not going. I'm not going. And then God's like chatting to me. Come on, Mark, be brave. You've got to have courage. So I says to Kieran, tell them, I'm coming. Burgess Hill's not happening. I'm coming to Belfast. Well, I got there, and I found this pub. It was tough. It was, it was a rough night. I started to do my comedy, and guess what? They started to give me feedback, yeah? They were giving me instant feedback. Not a written down form. They were giving me it verbally, yeah? Verbal feedback. They were telling me which jokes they liked and which jokes they didn't like, yeah? They were letting me know. And I did all this comedy and I'm trying my best. And then I get to the bit about the cross and I start to talk about Jesus and the cross. And people are still screaming stuff out. People are shouting swear words out. Sometimes I'm trying to in my stuff, accommodate what somebody says and kind of enter it into my talk. But when people are shouting stuff like that, it's very difficult how to do that. You're like, ooh, okay. And uh, just like chatting about Jesus and the cross. At one bit, a whole group of guys got up and went to the toilet all together. And this is, we're not listening to this rubbish and they all got, I thought, wow, Billy Graham used to call people to the front. Yeah, I'm sending people to the back, yeah? People are just going, well, I'm not having any of this. This is rubbish. And you know, I was kind of like, oh, man. But you know, when it finished, we started to have these incredible conversations. People are like saying, I've not heard about Jesus since I was in Sunday school. And I had a tear in my eye. Somebody else was like, said, the cross has never been brought to this pub before. And I was like, wow, what a privilege to be able to take the cross and put it in a place where it's never been before. You see, we must be courageous. We must be gutsy and brave. And you're like, I'm saying to you today, we want you to go out there and we want you to live for Jesus. And you can be like, Mark, this is difficult. It's not easy. And I'm going, we must be bold. We must be courageous. I'm I, I've never been a good fighter, right? I've never been a good fighter. I'm a, at school, I was the one that gave it all the mouth. I couldn't really fight very well. And um, basically, I've, that's my whole life. I've never really been in a fight, a proper fight. Like, Sean, when was the last time you were in a fight? Can you remember? I'd love it if you said yesterday. That would be awesome. The whole church is like, ooh, that's not, that's not perfect, Yeah. I mean, I can't even remember. Can you remember? I can't even remember the last. I've never been really a fighter guy. But there was this moment. Let me tell you about it. When I was a youth pastor in Barnsley, we used to take the young people out after church and go for McDonald's and have this great stuff and go to the park and chuck a ball around and it was all great. And then my wife, she was eight and a half months pregnant with Jordan, right? Now, I've learned something about pregnant ladies there are those pregnant ladies that the whole way, they, they never look pregnant. You can never tell. And then they sort of kind of nip to the toilet and they come back, they've got a baby. Yeah, and it's like, wow, how did that happen? And then there are other ladies, and this is my wife, and she doesn't mind me saying this, but there are other ladies that get pregnant, yeah? I mean, she was pregnant. 
She, honestly, to walk anywhere took her about an hour and a half, yeah? It was like, oh, time's in. And so my wife's there, eight and a half months pregnant with Jordan. We're in this park. The young people are all messing around. I'm the youth pastor, kicking the football around. And then I didn't know it, but there was a gang of lads at the top of the hill. They were totally being taken drugs. And they came down the hill. They were frenzied. And before I knew it, they'd knocked one of these little kids to the floor. And this little lad's on the ground. And they're kicking him. And then they're surrounded my wife. Now, I told you that I'm not a fighter. But something happened deep inside of me. And I suddenly said to a couple of guys around me, help me. And we went and we stood. And I shouted to the young people, go to the minibus. Go to the minibus. And I said to my wife, I said, Tamsin, I want you to start turning, yeah? Start turning. (laughs) We'll catch up with you in a minute, yeah? And we're standing there. And then I said to this gang of guys, I said, no further. You're not going past us, right? There was three of us. You're not going past us. What an amazing story this would be. Imagine if I was telling this on the God channel and I said, and the gang leaders looked and said, wow, who are these tall men around you with swords? What are these glistening angels that you have around you, yeah? What a story that would be. My story was they beat the snot out of me, yeah? They absolutely, I went to A&E, yeah? Oh, But the great thing was they never got past us. The three of us, we stood our ground and we did that. Now what I'm telling you that for is not that I'm some brave and courageous guy because I was terrified the whole time. But something inside me was bigger and greater than my fear. You see, this is the deal, guys. The deal is this. Courage is not the absence of fear. It is having a conviction that rises up and is bigger and greater than your fear. Hallelujah. Now when we go from this place, you know, we are still nervous. Sometimes we feel fearful to talk about Jesus. We feel fearful to invite our friends. But the truth is this, guys, is that we have a conviction that is burning inside of us that we want to see the lost rescued for Jesus. We want to see a generation turned around for the Lord. And it's like that conviction is bigger and greater than our fear. Amen that we could maybe begin to talk about Jesus. What I also love is that this good Samaritan, he had to get off his high horse and get down into the dust. And church, I say this as kindly as I can, but we must get off our high horse and get down into the dust with the broken and the hurting. That, you know... Sometimes, and I'm talking about church throughout the country, we would get famous. We get famous for speaking about what we're against instead of speaking what we're for. And it's like we need to get off our high horse. We need to get down from our like high and lofty place that we are the church. And we need to get down and get amongst the broken and the hurting. I love the heartbeat of this church that you guys are like, come on, we want to see non-Christians get saved. We want to reach this community. We want to see people turned around for God. You know, Pastor Mark is a, is a good friend of mine and I, I really love him and all I've ever known him is, is somebody who absolutely wants to see church flourish but he also wants it to make such a great impact on the community. And then... We must get off our high horses, just like that good Samaritan got down in the dust 
amongst the broken. And here's the next thing. The good Samaritan, he traveled. He journeyed with the guy to the inn. Let me say it like this, right? As my wife and me, we absolutely love having people around for dinner. But we had a disaster a little while ago. We're both chilling out, watching whatever Netflix is serving us up. I'm basically taking it easy one evening. And both our phones pinged at the same time. Oh. We quickly looked to see. And this couple are coming. They were so glad that you invited us round for dinner. Is there anything that we can bring? See you in 20 minutes. We both look at it. I'm like, we've both forgotten that we've invited this couple round. Yeah? My wife is a lovely Christian lady. So she's like, we can still make this happen. I am like, let's blame COVID, yeah? Let's say that, sorry, we'd love to, we'd love you to come, but, you know, social distancing, we've really got to, like, you know, uh, and uh, she's like, no, we're going to make this happen. I'm like, oh. So the next thing, you know, she's written a list for me to go to Asda, right? I'm going to Asda. She says, Mark, I'm going to, like, get the house tidy, do the hoovering, and I'm going to start dinner. You get the stuff on the list. So great, go to Asda, I'm getting the stuff, chicken, rice, I know where that is. And then I look at this list, and on it, it says coconut milk. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, hmm, do you get coconut milk with the coconuts, or do you get it with the milk? Yeah? Because it's two very interesting words in one line there. So I phone my wife. Now remember, she's hoovering, she's getting everything ready. I ring, and she says, what is it? I said, Tamsin. I says, I've got coconut milk here. Do you get it with the coconuts or do you get it with the milk? She went, Mark, you are a fully grown man. Find the coconut milk. And then she hangs up. I'm in the middle of Asda. So I get my phone and I phone her back. She goes, hello? I went, I will find the coconut milk. And then I hung up, yeah? It's always good to get the last word, yeah? I love that people writing that in their journal. It's always good to get the last word. And then, but then I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? So I'm like wandering around. And then I find the Asda lady. And I'm like, oh. I says, ah, I'm looking for coconut milk. And you all know what she did. She didn't point to me and say, it's over there. Go right at the dog food or whatever like that. Do you know what I mean? She, she, what did she say? She goes, let me take you with me. So I, I went with her. I journeyed with her. And we found the coconut milk. You know, it's amazing. Asda does it. Sainsbury's does it. Tesco's do it. Lidl. No, no. <laughs> no one knows where anything is in Lidl. Genuinely no one. I mean, they just put everything together, don't they? Sausages, lamb, nappies. Yeah, just all of it. It'll work. It's fine. It's in there. You'll find it in there. Lot of love for Lidl here. Oh, I like that. So I'm like, I'm like, oh man, if the church needs to wake up and see that if supermarkets have understood that we need to travel with people, how much more does church need to know that we must journey with people? It's not good enough just to be like, yeah, salvation's over there. Turn left at the dog food and you'll find Calvary. No, guys, we must journey with people. We must travel with them. People have got questions. People have got confusion. People have got fear. And we must like meet them for coffee. Go and speak with them. Help them answer their questions and journey with people. 
Amen. I am love that the Bible says that the good Samaritan, he applied, he applied the oil and he applied the wine. And those of you maybe that know your Bible will know that the oil is often a picture of grace. And those of you will know that, 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 that the wine is a very strong, powerful picture of blood. You see, friend, I'm in all these different settings, universities and pubs and clubs and Edinburgh Fringe Comedy Festival and I'm doing all these different things and it's all very different and it's a different way of doing it. But what you need to know today, friend, is that the method may change but the message never changes and that is that it is the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from sin. It is the blood of Jesus that makes us whole. And as I am in all these different settings, I'm not changing the message of the cross. I am as powerful on that as I've ever been. And I'm like, Jesus died on the cross for you. You need to become a Christian and know the blood-washed heart that you can have. Hallelujah. And also that picture that the Samaritan, he applied the oil. And that picture of grace you know, so many Christians feel like it's their job to carry the anger of God. And actually, God is looking for us as a church to carry his smile, to carry his grace, to carry his goodness. Oh, friend, we must go from this place and we must carry this grace that we would go and be with those that no one else will be with. I, uh, I used to do these assemblies at school and I don't know if, uh, if the musicians are around and they can come and join us. Um, they're very, you guys are very good because when I'm preaching all over the world, I'm in the middle of my preach and suddenly there's a keyboard player behind me starts playing and that's kind of the polite church way of saying, okay, that's enough, yeah? We've heard enough from you, yeah? And I thought that was bad until my wife bought one for home, yeah? So she's there like, yeah, okay. I'm playing the keyboard. You need to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're Scottish. But you know, I wanted just to tell you, I, in a moment, I'm going to give us the opportunity to respond to God. But, you know, when I was doing this assembly, they asked me to do Monday to Friday. And something weird happened. I, I was doing these assemblies and the crowds were coming in. And on Monday, there was the, all the school was in and then there was these five empty rows. And on the Monday, I noticed that this little lad, he like came in and five minutes into my talk, he pushed past the back row of empty chairs and he sat in the middle on his own. And I thought, oh man, he must just be late, that's cool. But then on Tuesday, did exactly the same thing. Five empty rows, a couple of minutes late, he came in and sat in the middle back row. He did it on Monday, Tuesday, he did it on Wednesday, and he did it on Thursday and Friday. And I thought, there's something happening here. And on a Friday, I was talking about the grace of God and carrying the smile of God carrying God's goodness and this, suddenly this young guy on the second row stood up 
the coolest guy in the school. And he pushes past the, his mates and he starts walking up the aisle. And everyone is watching him. And he gets to the back row and he pushes past the empty chairs and he sits down next to this kid and he just pats him on the back. The whole school is like looking round, they're all talking to each other. Everyone has got their eyes on them. And eventually I get everyone looking back to the front and I finish the lesson. And then afterwards, this teacher comes up to me and she's absolutely bawling her eyes out. She goes, Mark, you've got no idea what happened today. And I says, I know, you need to tell me. She goes, Mark, that young lad, every day that's come in at the back row, I said, yeah, yeah. She says, the reason why he sits there is because two months ago, his mom died. And his dad has been trying to look after him, but the dad is devastated at the loss of his wife. And the lad has not been getting clean properly. He's not been washing properly. And he's been coming into school and his clothes stink and he's not been shouting and it's bad. And parents have been saying they don't want anyone to sit near him because he smells so bad. And that kid on his own has understood that nobody's bothered about him. So he sits on the back row in the middle past all the empty rows away from everyone else. And when you were talking about the kindness of God, well, that cool kid from school got up and thought, do you know what? That means I've got to sit with the one that no one else will sit with. I've got to go and sit next to the person that nobody else is bothered about. And all friends, it's easy for us to sometimes think that the message needs to be that we shout and we give our message and we tell the story. But do you know what, friends? Sometimes all we need to do is we need to sit with the one that no one else will sit with. That we apply the oil, the grace of God, that God wants His smile to be felt by this broken and hurt world, that we would carry His smile. I wonder if we could just bow our heads in prayer. You know, as we're in the presence of God, maybe there's one or two people here today and you know that you have never known what it is to have the blood of Jesus just wipe you completely clean. Maybe there's people in the room and you're like, do you know what? I've never known what it is to have all my mess just wiped away. And here we are in the presence of God. I'm simply going to do this little thing where I'm just going to pray a little prayer. And I'm going to ask that you pray after me. Don't say it out loud so that anyone else can hear. But just pray it in your heart. I'm then going to say amen. And I'm going to count to three. And I'm going to say if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to count to three. And on three, I'm just going to ask you just, no one else is looking, but just to put your hand up so that I can see today that you prayed that and you meant that and then I'll ask you to put your hand down. Maybe you could pray this prayer after me. This is the prayer. God, thank you that you sent Jesus. I'm sorry for my mess. Would the blood of Jesus come and make me completely clean? I receive your forgiveness. I want a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.
And as our heads stay bowed and our eyes are closed, I'm going to count to three. And if you prayed that prayer, I want you just to slip up your hands so I can see it today. One, two, three. Just you slip that hand up. That is fantastic. That is amazing. That is really great. People all around the room, Lord, thank you for people responding to you in this place. And we pray that this would be the beginning of an incredible, incredible journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, church, I'm nearly finished and we're going to sing as we leave. But I've got a prayer burning inside of me. I'm going to pray for tonight that we see wonderful responses to the cross of Jesus. I'm also going to pray for us as a church now that we would be those that would carry the oil and the wine. Yes, that we would carry the grace and the smile of God. Can I ask you to stand in the presence of God? And if you feel comfortable, church, I wonder if you could raise up your hands towards heaven. If you feel okay with that, could you raise up your hands high? Because I've got a prayer burning inside of me today that this church, we would begin to see a wonderful, wonderful blessing of, of salvations all across this community, right across this place of Exeter and beyond Exeter. This whole region would experience salvation in a new and incredible way. Lord, does our hands are raised up to you now. We want to be those that would carry the oil and the wine. Oh Lord, we don't want to cover our eyes. We don't want to go the other way. Lord, we want to carry your presence. Oh Lord, we want to journey with people and we want to see them come through into the kingdom of God. And I pray as our friends have got their hands raised right now that salvation would spring up, oh Lord. Spring up in the university. Spring up in the communities around. Spring up in the housing estates. Spring up amongst the businessmen. Oh, the salvation would come to this place in the name of Jesus. Let's give God a massive hand clap. Hallelujah.